We are in the final Sunday before Christmas. You know, so many are our children are celebrating because Christmas is about to knock on their doors. Santa Claus is coming to town. You know, there's there's even the story in the song that Santa Claus is coming to town. You know the you know the song. Santa Claus is coming to town, he's making a list, checking it twice. Gonna find out who's naughty or nice. Church, there's another list. There's an eternal list. That's the book of life. Advent is a reminder of God's perfect timing and his perfect ways. And while God knows what we what we need, it's always his perfect ways need to be excited and childlike with the anticipation of the knocking of the second coming. For God's children, Santa is not the one that we are anticipating, but it is Christ that will be coming to town. Yes. Today's scripture, Titus 2.11, it says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Simply put, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Before we dive in, let's lift our hearts to the Lord in prayer. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, in this season which should bring hope and love and joy and peace to every heart, many of us are still struggling with the, the burdens of life and it's just heavily weighing upon us. God, we find ourselves wrapped up in anxiety many times. God, just help us. Help us to see your peace, your grace, your joy, your hope, your mercy, your forgiveness, and your love in our hearts and in all around us. God, we're your people. Walking in this dark world, but we are seeking your light every day. May that never cease. Be with us. Help us seek you in all of our days, God. We ask all things in the precious and holy name of your Son. Amen. Amen. So in reading Titus, we actually need to back up to the very first verse. So let me go ahead and make this little declaration right off the bat. First part of Titus is used to throw as hellfire and brimstone. You know, it's easy to point a finger and make a declaration and, and tell someone they need to speak truth. But when it all comes down to the nuts and bolts of the gospel, it is grace that saves, it is grace that we receive, and it is grace that teaches. So before we throw scripture, let's ask ourselves, are we walking in grace? Are we acting in grace? It's my declaration before we jump into today's message, because I know sometimes... I've heard messages, and I'm like, wow, that is my toes they are stepping on. But we need to be reminded that it's grace that sometimes steps on our toes. Grace is not only the gift. It is also the teacher. You know, sometimes we also need to be reminded of the song that Jesus is the one that is coming when we think of Santa Claus is coming to town. And I say that because as children watch 
they what? I mean, I don't know about your grandkids and your children, but how many remember the TV coming on and it was Frosty and it was Rudolph and it was Santa Claus? I remember laying in the floor glued to the TV because it wasn't any of this on-demand channels that we could just flip and watch. You had to catch it while it was on. And if it was the last five minutes, guess what? The TV froze. You still watch the last five minutes, laughing and enjoying as if you'd watched the whole thing. That's the anticipation we need as adults, but childlike at heart in our faith. And as children of God, may we always remember we stand before an audience of one. Sometimes that too needs to be the reminder. So in today's message, we're actually going to back up and look at Titus Chapter 2, verse 1 through 10, before we get to 11. So, Titus was left by Paul on the island of Crete. And he was to set things straight among the Christians. But the first instructions given was to appoint elders in every town. Because Crete was an evil society. They needed overseers. They needed teachers with very high moral to help them walk the more narrow path. They need to be above reproach, show integrity, and to be able to fight against all those who taught in error. Now let me hit another little disclaimer here. There are people that teach and believe they're teaching truth. They honestly believe they're teaching truth. Sometimes those elders need to pull them aside and say, let's have a little talk. Just want to make sure we're all on the same page. There's nothing wrong with that. Now, the elders were to not only fight against those that were teaching in error, but to rescue those being swept up by the deceiver. They were to be an example to the flock. In today's society, so many people look at a pastor and go, you're supposed to be the example. It's the elders of the church. Pastor comes alongside of the elders of the church. Because when a pastor gets moved, guess who's left? The elders of the church. Paul commands Titus to teach the people things that consist with sound doctrine. They were not to act like the Cretans. So in these instructions, starting with verse 1, it's the elders that had to first be formed, the foundation, the backbone of the church. And next it goes on to tell the old men to teach the young men how to walk in this life. In a society of homes where there's not a father present, it is a blessing for a man to come alongside as a mentor to a younger man. It's my first challenge to the guys, not only here, but those listening. God's not calling you just to be in your home. He's calling you to be in your community, to be an example. But it doesn't stop there. They are to have a goal to strive towards. They're to be clear-headed in control of their minds and their emotions. We say it's a sober mind. This is not referring to alcohol or drugs or anything like that. Sober-minded means to be of sound mind, to be of clear thinking, 
to be of healthy mind. And healthy in our faith is to walk in truth with discernment and clarity given from the Holy Spirit. The next section talks to the women. It says the older women are to carry themselves in a specific way. And see, I can think that. Y'all might not get away with saying them old women. I can get away with that because I are one. I walk in those words every single day. It's okay. You can laugh. Just laugh with me. If you laugh at me, I'm going to know there's a Freudian slip, and I might have to go back and look at the video. But here Paul is saying there's a word that's likewise, meaning the women are to live holy lives in God's in God's view, before that audience of one, just as the men are. They are to teach godliness to the younger generation. Again, there are so many homes. We hear about the single moms, but there are so many homes with single dads. They're raising children. Women here, ladies listening, it is a blessing to step into the life of a young lady that doesn't have a mother. Maybe she's lost her mother to, to death. It's a blessing for you to step into her life and help her and teach her and grow her. Because if we don't grow the next generation, we can't be mad at anybody but ourselves when they become leaders. And then we're aggravated. Paul gives instructions to Titus for the younger generation also. It's in the last part of this chapter, and I believe this is also where we're at. He talks about slaves. And this is a word that makes us very uneasy. Makes us kind of sit back. Because so many different definitions are implied to this world in this, in this day. To the word slavery. But we're born of slaves. In this sinful world, we're slaves to our flesh. We've all probably heard the scripture say that you can't have two masters. But yet being slaves to this world... And calling ourselves Christians, sometimes we get caught with two masters. Now, you're probably thinking, wow, this message took a weird turn. This is not a Christmas message. But to be honest, in this season, we're supposed to be anticipating the second arrival of the Redeemer. And if we tiptoe around because we're afraid to upset the world, then guess who's watching? The audience of one is watching. The old beast is watching. The old serpent's watching. Friends, as many of you know, if you're not fighting with the old serpent, you're holding his hand. You can't hold the hand of the old serpent and sit in the pews. It doesn't work that way. Scripture says we're being lukewarm and he will spit us out. Scripture tells us how to live and it's not easy. Because the old serpent wants to bring distractions to us. Sometimes he brings them without us even knowing it. He knows how to distort scripture and make it sound like truth because we forget he walked with the word. He knows it better than we ever will. Because he was there. Our goal is to be there. Can I just tell you that the smallest error can make the biggest train wreck easily. I'll never forget one of the very first times I asked somebody to explain scripture to me. Can I tell you it was about seven or eight years later before I found out that was not what it meant? 
So think of all the people that I went and said, and that small error probably was a big train wreck. The old serpent, now I really want you to hear this, the old serpent helps us to stay mad at people. And the way he does this is he hands us a hammer and we hand it to that person so that they can hit us and we're mad. That's what he does. That's how he attacks us. He attacks us through us. But here's my thoughts for today as we're talking about this. Sunday's coming. Now, I know when we hear Sunday's coming, we think of Lent, we think of Easter in that season. But when I say Sunday's coming, we have to go through the crucifixion first. Crucifixion's painful. It's humiliating. And there are many times in our walk, if we're not humiliated in the immediate because we're teaching the smallest in error somewhere down the line, we will be. We have to be of sober mind. We have to be of good faith help to others, but the only way we can do that is if our faith health is properly in check with the ultimate physician. Before Sunday can come, we've got to go through the pain of the crucifixion before the stone can be rolled away so that we are truly set free and no longer a slave to this world. Church, is there anything in our lives that we need to crucify at the foot of the cross in our anticipation of waiting on his second arrival? Are we truly living kingdom lives? And that means for me fighting the serpent every single day sometimes. Sometimes I look up and go, all right, what's for today? Game on, let's go. Because I know he's going to fight. He's got to. He's got to knock us off our game. But just as our scripture says salvation came, there are so many out there who are searching for hope and do not know where to find it. So I'm going to leave you with this thought. If you're not walking around like the Avon lady of the kingdom, yes, I said the Avon lady of the kingdom, ready to tell of God's special offers of salvation, redemption, and freedom, and how are we walking to be an example to God? How are we walking? I don't know about you. I, I, I don't do perfumes. So when I'm walking around and somebody comes up and they're about to spray me, y'all, I am ducking, weaving, rolling like my ninja skills come out. I'm like, no, no, don't spray me. I'll be in hives. But when we're carrying salvation and grace and redemption and freedom and we've been set free, we need to be out there sharing just like the Avon ladies, just like those annoying testers. If you're one of those, I love you, but mm, I dodge you every single time. We need to be anxiously sharing. We need to be constantly sharing. But that starts with a sober mind in healthy faith so that our small errors can be put into check and we don't become a train wreck. So many times I've, I've heard somebody say, hey, I remember that. And I'm like, oh, I hope it was not bad. <laughs> That's my first thought. No matter how much good we do, they'll always remember the one bad. Always. 
And a best apology is changed action. Talk's cheap. Actions speak volumes. So my challenge, if there's anything that needs to be taken and crucified at the foot of the cross, I pray that every morning we get up and search ourselves and make sure there's nothing hanging on to us that we're trying to let loose of. Because old serpent, he clings to you. We not realize it. We may be walking around and he's wrapped around our ankles. But he has to leave in the name of Jesus when we tell him and command him. And we do have that power to do that. If we walk in victory in our faith. Let's lift our hearts to the Lord in prayer. Dear gracious Lord, on this day I pray for your perfect will and your perfect timing to work in every single one of our lives. And give us the understanding of how things are to work. Help us teach others. Help us come alongside and mentor others. God, this world is so wounded. There are so many that are needing help to be set free. God, I pray for redemption to just cloak them with the peace and mercy and grace like angels' wings. God, we pray for your hope, your hope in our hearts. Lord, wake up this nation. You are the God of salvation. God, deliver your people. Deliver us from this Egypt once and for all. God, give us clarity, discernment, and wisdom to do your work. Courage to walk in your will. And God, when the old serpent's trying to just blindside us and distort scripture, put blinders on us so we don't even see him. We ask all things in the precious and holy name of your son. Amen.